The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. Rise and shine, fantasy players. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Wednesday, July 11th. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is Roto Experts in the Morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am your host, Dane Martinez. They call me Speeds, the spitting statistician. And as usual, I am overjoyed to be joined by FSWA Hall of Famer, the King Scott Engel. Scotty, it's hump day. It's on a Wednesday. How you feeling, brother man? Uh, feeling okay, I guess. Uh, you know, drafted LaShawn McCoy in the fourth round the other night before the news broke. Doesn't make me feel so good, though. No, that does not make you feel so good. And let's start right there. I mean, I was doing fantasy freestyle last night here on the Fantasy Sports Network. And, you know, it's interesting to be able to do something, do a live show when you have breaking news like that. So for people who haven't heard so far, <clears throat> LaShawn McCoy... Uh, has been accused, and and, and I, I must say this, he has been accused in an Instagram post by the friend of his girlfriend, been accused of all sorts of things, ranging from PED steroid use to child abuse to animal abuse to domestic violence and abuse of his former girlfriend. I got to tell you, Scott, I looked at some of these pictures online. They are tough to look at, okay? Now, at this point... This is all just an accusation from the woman's girlfriend. The Bills are aware of the situation. LaShawn McCoy has denied this on social media. Now, I'm not going to – I don't really want to get into the, uh, you know, kind of the police work of this all. We can let the police handle that. There are, however, some very interesting fantasy implications of it, okay? And so there's where I want to start. What I think is interesting, Scott, you know, you said you drafted McCoy in the fishbowl league right yesterday literally just yesterday scott we were talking about like demarco murray right and how he's not going to try out to be part of like a committee that he's going to want to wait for an opportunity to maybe be a full-time starter very very interesting one may have just opened up we also yesterday scott talked about chris ivory how like he had that violent running style and he could be done well 
you know, I looked at the depth chart of the current Buffalo Bills, and the number two running back is Chris Ivory. Ivory. Yeah. You know, so, like, listen, Scotty, I mean, we could talk about the actual, quote-unquote, incident, what happened, who's lying, what all that is. I just, I'm going to say this. If this is true, if this is true, not only should LaShawn McCoy be suspended, not only should LaShawn McCoy be out of the NFL, LaShawn McCoy should be in jail. If this is true. But we don't know. We will follow the developments as this happens. But some very interesting fantasy implications. What does this mean, Scott, for the Bills? What does this mean for a potential guy like a DeMarco Murray? And what does this mean? How do you treat LaShawn McCoy, especially after the experience last year with Ezekiel Elliott? I think nobody knows what's going to happen here, you know, when it comes to the NFL and how they're going to handle this, etc. Everybody wanted to guess last year with Ezekiel Elliott and draft him, but you never know what's going to happen here. You know, first it came out that McCoy was directly involved, it seemed. Now it seems like he might be indirectly involved. We're going to have to wait and find out, but... I drafted LaShawn McCoy in the fourth round of Scott's Fishbowl the other night before all this broke, and I'm like, wow, right. bad luck for me. But uh, for everybody else drafting dra- drafting later, at least you know now what the story is. And I drafted him from 12 to 23 in PPR ranks in the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge fantasy football package. Enter the king at checkout for a special discount because – I just don't know how many games he's going to play. And then I had to move Ivory into my top 40. So, you know, now you have to consider Chris Ivory, you know, maybe as, a, you know, as like an eighth, ninth round pick, something like that, because you just don't know what's going to happen. And, will, yeah. you know, will, will, the, uh, will the Bills, like, go out and maybe sign DeMarco Murray? Yeah, that's what I was saying. You know, that's what I was saying. I thought it was really interesting, Scott. We literally went through the possible landing spots for DeMarco Murray literally yesterday on the show. And we were talking about how he was waiting probably for like an injury for a legitimate starting job to open up. Well, starting jobs in the NFL can open up for a number of reasons. And maybe one has in Buffalo. A couple of other things on this, Scott. You know, other ways to play it, right? Because we talk about the fantasy impacts all the time, Scott. I also know because I like to spend some time over at mybookie.ag. Scotty, the Buffalo Bills season win total was standing at six and a half. The Buffalo Bills season win total, when I checked this morning, A, is still up on the board. You can still make this bet, which I think is very interesting given the cloud that surrounds their best offensive player. But the season win total, Scott, moved from six and a half just down to six, half a game. Um, how do you feel about maybe getting under- ahead of that? Right, get ahead of it and bet the under right now before they take it off the board. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, in this commercial break, I'm going over to mybookie.ag. If you want to go on over to mybookie.ag, don't forget to enter the promo code FNTSY. You'll get a 50% deposit bonus at checkout. Listen, Scotty, here's the thing. I got to ask you a question about this and your process, okay? Because I see, right, you lower LaShawn McCoy, and we were talking about some of your running back ranks, you know, uh, yesterday. I'm on the PPR format. I see you have in PPR him lowered down to number 23, let's say. So here's my question. Why, like, what do you think is the outcome here that you are, like, projecting with this kind of drop? Because to me, I think he's either going to play and he would be ranked the same for pure fantasy football. Or to be quite honest, if the league comes down on him 
and I know I'm speculating here, and I and I you, you know I understand that, but like I don't think this would be like a six game kind of thing. Like if this is true, this is this is domestic violence. This is also steroids. This is also child and animal abuse. Like you know this could be a. 16 games or the Ray Rice treatment. So I kind of feel like this is zero or the full year. But it sounds to me, Scott, by dropping him down to like 21 or 23, you're sort of like, it's sort of like a half measure. It's sort of like you're, you're saying he might play, I don't know, some games, but don't want to go either way. I, I kind of thought it would be like he just stays because you're taking the stance that he is just going to play. Or he's kind of like off off the rankings completely. Tell me what you're projecting as you drop him somewhat. That all that speculation, with all respect, uh, Dane, is a complete waste of time. That nobody knows what the NFL is going to find and how they're going to react. Nobody knows outside of those doors and Park Avenue what is going to happen, what they're going to find, what they're going to take seriously, what they're not. There's a lot of accusations there. Uh, maybe some of them they'll find out to to have some basis, and some of they don't. We just don't know. So, I so why drop to, him at all? I, I I have to put him. I have to put him in, because there's a very there's a very good a chance that he will get suspended. But look, I don't know if he will or he won't. It's almost like like dealing with a guy with an injury, sort of, and you don't know, you know, what his status is going to be if he's not injured you know that he's going to be the full-time backup. But if he is, how many games is he going to play? So I have to drop him beneath basically all of the backs that I expect to be clear number ones and basically those near the others who may be in, in timeshares. I guess so. I guess here's my thing, though, Scott. Like, I, 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 I hear what you're saying, and I understand that we can't speculate that we don't know. I just I, – I, so my, my question is, like, I almost see it as when you do the rankings, it's like one or the other. Like, you either he's going to miss time or he's not. So, like, here's the way I ask you. Uh, the reason I ask you, you drop him right now. I'm looking at the PPR ranks that you got. And remember, these guys are in rotoexperts.com, the exclusive edge fantasy football package. Don't forget to enter the promo code THEKING at checkout so you can get all this insight to help you win your leagues and win that cash, right? But you know how we play, like, the kind of um, – you know, when we were doing the Christian McCaffrey thing yesterday, and we were, like, kind of yeah. ranking him, putting him in, and we were talking about, like, T.Y. Hilton, where we would move him up and down. So I kind of want to do the same thing with McCoy now, Scotty. I mean, right there, I mean, you have him right ahead in these PPR ranks. Mark Ingram, which is a, another specific kind of intricate case, right, because he's going to miss some time. But I look at the guys behind that, right? Like, let's say Royce Freeman, Dion Lewis. You have them pretty much right behind, say, LaShawn McCoy. Right. If I'm... If I'm drafting, right, like I'm looking at your ranks today, updated just yesterday with this news. If I got a draft this weekend with my boys, right, and I'm in the, yeah. oh, I don't know, whatever this would be, let's say the fifth round, right, something like that. Right. And I have LaShawn, and LaShawn McCoy is still available, and Royce Freeman is still available, and Dion Lewis is still available. I'm not taking LaShawn McCoy. So, like, just because of this cloud, and I understand kind of what you're saying, but I'm trying to think about it from the fan, the user, the listener that is sitting there making draft decisions right now. Like, how can anybody in good conscience draft McCoy ahead of someone like Dion Lewis right now? You can't just look at the ranks in a vacuum. You know, there's okay. color behind them. That's why sure. there's articles in the site why we do these shows. You just can't yeah. look at them in a vacuum right now. Well, Sean McCoy, you know, this could turn out to be all, you know, nothing. for all we know, we could turn out to be nothing. 
Right. So it could at be that point, you have to like ask yourself. You, it, it comes down to you, and, and you know how I much can, risk I, you I, want to take I can, on. I can give. I can give you all the advice you want. How risky do you want to be? Because if LaShawn McCoy gets off on this, and you've got him in the fifth round, and you take him ahead of Lamar Miller or Royce Freeman or or, the, or Deion Lewis, you're going to get a nice, handsome reward, I think. But if you don't and you want to play conservative and you take the other guys, that's why I have them ranked so close. Interesting. Okay, so you're, it, it's, it's kind of, um, if I understand you, if I understand you correctly, you're saying that you have to kind of see, like, how much risk you're comfortable taking in right. that draft pick, right? Because those are, my, those are my ranks, but at the end of the day, it's still your draft and your team. Right. No, absolutely. I'm absolutely. giving you advice. I'm not drafting for you. No, absolutely, Scott. And yeah. we say that with all things fantasy, right? Like, it's yeah. still – all of this is kind of data points and insight. But the reason this is fantasy is, like, it's your team. You get to make those decisions. And we always talk – I always say to people at least, like, look, you can look at all the rankings you want, you know. But if you feel something like you like your guy, go out and get him. You know what I mean? Like, do, do follow your heart is really one of the biggest things for me also because, listen, you want to have fun as well. So, I, I like, follow your gut. There's nothing worse than being, like, eight weeks into the season and being like, oh, I really like that guy, but I didn't follow my plan at the draft, and now I want to – you know, that sort of thing. So I understand that, Scott. And so I guess it, ta- it takes – like how much risk you want to take on because you're making a calculated decision, Scott, right? Like, like you said, there is a chance that this blows over. You know, there is some reports out there also that some of the um, <clears throat> injuries that this woman sustained was actually due to some kind of home invasion potentially and not directly because of McCoy. There is still a lot of fact finding that has to go on in this. And so maybe you get ahead of this. You know, I was at, people were asking me all season long, Scotty, about Ezekiel Elliott. You know what I mean? And I was, to be honest, my position last year was I thought that the suspension was never going to come on him. Right. And I was saying, nah, man, go out and trade for Ezekiel Elliott. Take on that risk, you know, go ahead and get him, because if he's playing, he's an incredible value. It turned out I was wrong and he did miss time in what turned out to be the fantasy playoffs, you know. But um, so it just sounds like if you're comfortable taking on that risk, like you said, similar to a guy who might be coming back from injury, similar to a guy who maybe has a ton of. You know, you don't know Buzz coming back, right? Can he do it or not? This is just another factor, another piece of the risk involved. Is that fair to say, Scott? Yeah, exactly. But you know, when everybody was guessing last year, nobody knew for sure. I think it was a wasted exercise to guess how many games he was going to be right. suspended for. Yeah, Everybody wanted to have a take. But sometimes we don't have the answers because they just don't exist. So, you know, learn a lesson from what happened with Ezekiel Elliott and, you know, then decide if you you want the risk or not. And this this sounds worse than the Ezekiel Elliott case. It's so you, who, who knows? A guy could be suspended for a full season or this whole thing could be made up and nothing happens. Yeah, absolutely. We got to see what happens. But, you know, in, in the pure... In the pure, like, unheart, like no heart way of looking at it, this could represent some value if you want to go if yes. you want to think about it from a take pure the, fantasy you gotta, you football. You got to take the emotion standpoint. out of it. Sometimes you have to take it out, right? And I'd love May, to I, hear from from the callers too, you know, and their opinions yeah. on this. But yeah. you know, when the Ray Rice thing happened, right. I remember we were on satellite radio and people were saying, you know, this guy is disgusting. I would never want him on my team. And to, I said. 
I said, I don't look it's at all it that relative. way. I said, I don't look at it that way. To me, he's just a name on my computer. Right. You know, I'm right. not looking at the person. Yep, absolutely. And I've said even, you know, we talk about like for fantasy. I've talked about it in real sports too. Like what you're in for laundry, not necessarily the people inside of that laundry. It's very interesting. If you want to talk to us about it, how you approach this, are you okay with taking on quote unquote bad guys or other pieces of this LaShawn McCoy story? Holler at us. The number to call is 844-843-6879. Absolutely. You know what it was? I was reading something that you guys were writing. I was reading something that you guys were writing right there. You know, I can't, it's like I can't pat my head and rub my stomach at the same time. But if you want to get down with us, the number to call is 844-843-6879. We also have a poll question up for you today around this topic if you want to engage with the show that way. The question is, with Sean McCoy potentially facing this suspension, would you avoid all bills in fantasy football drafts? Right now, 52% say yes. Scotty, I got two more things real quick on this. One is, you know, you talk about all bills, this idea of avoiding all bills. I think this is interesting. This, you know, I I have a little bit of a different take on this. This could, if there is a different uh, running back there, I think it hurts. I think it hurts some of these other wide receivers, right? Because if LaShawn McCoy is there, I was always saying, you know, opposing defenses are probably stacking 8, 9, 11, all 53 men in the box to try to <laughs> stop LaShawn McCoy as their first kind of thing, right? If I'm playing against the Bills, you know, I'm like, yeah, let I'm going to try and have Andy A.J. McCarron or Josh Allen be the person who beats me, not LaShawn McCoy. You know what I mean? I'm going to be like, they're going to have to beat me via the passing game. Now, if it's not LaShawn McCoy, and we don't know, it could be Chris Ivory, we don't know, it could be a, 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 you know, a DeMarco Murray type who would be brought in or whatever, I may not be stacking the box as much. So that means I might have another safety there to worry about Charles Clay. I might be able to roll some coverage over to Kelvin Benjamin. So couldn't this also hurt some of the pass catchers here? It potentially could because – you know, now the team has to exhibit more offensive balance. Right. So, you know, this is just going to be a bad team. But from a fantasy perspective, though, if it makes the team worse, though, there's also the potential to, you know, get some passing numbers when they're playing some in garbage, garbage time. time. So, you know, that could bode well for a guy like Zay Jones, I think. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And, you know, the last piece of this that I want to mention, I don't know if people caught this. In that Instagram post, you know what? There was one detail that I – uh I wanted to bring up to maybe end this on a lighthearted way and move on forward. Uh, Scotty, did you see the name of the dog? No. The dog's name is Henny, as in Hennessy, the alcoholic beverage. Oh, okay. I just thought it was interesting that he would name his dog Henny. No? Uh, well, no, it doesn't I, 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 matter I, 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 I guess because I'm not a drinker, but, you know. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, you know, it's interesting. I think, I think it's <laughs> interesting. It's the... Not like it made me laugh out loud, to be honest with you. I hear you. I hear you. No problem. I did think it was interesting. All right, Scotty, let's keep it moving here. We talk about, you know, hey, LaShawn McCoy had an impact on the rankings, the news that broke yesterday. Scotty dropped him all the way down to potentially be a back-end RB2. And the real key is, I agree with him, it really depends on you and how much risk you want to take on, right? Do you want to try to take a shot thinking that you're going to get, you know, all of a sudden, if he then does play 16 games, you have another RB1 on your hands that you drafted at the level of an RB2 or a flex play, let's say. So we'll talk, we, we've talked about that it in the movement. It changed my draft strategy. 
It's sorry, but changed my what? draft strategy. It's Scott's Fishbowl, which is a super flex, two quarterback league. I'm at number nine, right? Yeah. Take Aaron Rodgers in the first round. And then uh, then I took DeAndre Hopkins in the second. Doug Baldwin in the third, so I'm feeling really good about my start. Right. And then you you know, in this league in the past, I've always like focused less on running backs and more on the two quarterback wide receiver kind of thing, and let let the running backs flex, right? kind of yeah, let the running backs uh, you know kind of rotate and stream them and have really strong wide receivers. And last year, I won my conference, and okay. I had the most points the year before in my conference. So I've done pretty well in Scotch Fishbowl so far. You know, I did win prizes last year. So. And then I said, look, at the fourth round, LaShawn McCoy, I said, I can't leave him on the board anymore because he's a top 12 running back. He's 30 years old, but yet he's still going to get a lot of work and be very versatile. Sure. So that workhorse we were here. talking about. But then when he got suspended, I said, damn, I got to Well, wait, 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 Scott. Run. He has not gotten suspended. No, well, I said, I said well, with Let's potential just be, yeah. suspension, I okay. meant. Uh, I said, damn. I said, my next pick, I said, uh, I, I got to go running back again. And I, I took Ronald Jones last night. Okay, fair enough. Here's my follow-up question for you. Are you going to be targeting Chris Ivory in this draft later on? Uh, I might. I might. You know, after, after I take my next quarterback and wide receiver, I might go back to the running back well. Okay, let me ask you this, Scott. Do you think because of the fact that you already have McCoy, are you more likely – do you think you are, need to be more likely to grab a guy like Chris Ivory more than the other managers in the draft? Uh, I guess we're going to play technical. We're not managers in, in uh, football. We're, we're owners. We're okay. managers in baseball. Gotcha. Uh, okay. I guess if we're, we're, we're on correcting each other's streak, uh, I guess it's all it was good. my turn. <laughs> Fair enough. No problem. But, so uh, do you think you but, need to uh, go after and get them more than other owners in your league? I think what I need to do is focus more on getting guys that I have higher ranked. It's not. I can't focus specifically on it. But if I get into a situation where I'm looking at Alex Collins versus a wide receiver three, I may need Collins to start for me, so I got to grab him. All right, fair enough. Uh, I so can't we will focus obviously... on one one player specifically. Okay, you odd... still yeah. you still have to let the draft come to you, yeah. um, and you can't be too rigid. And no matter what the case, even if you sort of like. Uh, almost burned a pick unknowingly, right, with what could happen right. with Shady. All right, hey, Scott, let's keep talking about these running backs, okay? Because yesterday we were talking about some of the running backs in your ranks. And remember, you can get the Kings ranks as part of the Roto Experts exclusive Edge Fantasy Draft Package and enter the promo code THEKING at checkout for a special discount. Scotty, we were talking about, like, workhorse running backs yesterday. We were talking about the potential in PPR leagues, about a guy like Christian McCaffrey. Now, I want to ask you about a couple of other guys um and i'm looking at ppr scoring just so that we're we're uh, straight on that there's a couple of rb2s that you seem to like a little bit more than the uh consensus shall we say a little bit more that are rb2s i'm talking about jordan howard in chicago Kenyon drake in miami and then ronald jones in tampa um that i think are interesting cases. You have them ranked higher than others. Can you tell me some of the reasons you like those guys? Well, Jordan Howard's a workhorse. You know, he, we talked about workhorses yesterday, and this offense should be better, giving him consistent scoring opportunities. Uh, Kenyon Drake showed a lot of upside and explosiveness, and they're going to have to lean on him a lot this year. Uh, 
more for offensive balance because you can't put too much on the back of Ryan Tannehill. And if Ronald Jones is a, a guy who's going to hit the hole very hard and be very physical in the second level. And to me, uh, in terms of opportunity for rookie running backs outside of Saquon Barkley, I don't think anybody has a clearer path than he does. Then Ronald Jones, even your even yeah. your boy uh, Penny up there in Seattle, because you're a little bit you you think Chris Carson could hold on to that a little bit, huh? I think Chris Carson probably not going to be the starter necessarily, but you know might uh, might not make it easy for Penny to win the job outright. I think there's the possibility of that happening. And you think Ronald Jones also has a clearer uh, path to being the lead dog than say Geis in Washington? Uh. Or is that close? It's close, but you know, okay. Geis is Geis comes with some injury concerns. So yep. you know okay. that that's that's splitting the hairs with me. So you think Ronald Jones is the second is is your second rookie running back off the yeah, board? Yeah, it's it's so close. You know, but then, close with guys Penny, like Geis with Penny. Then, but then with Penny and Geis, I'm probably going to pull off the Carson thing at some point. Okay, so I just yeah. want to try to just get a sense of this. For the rookies, obviously Saquon is in a class by himself. Saquon is going to be a first-round pick in most drafts. Am I right that I'm hearing you say uh, Ronald Jones, then maybe a small gap to, like, Penny and Geis, and then maybe a small gap to, say, Freeman? No gap. I have them pretty, pretty much ranked All right three near of those each guys? other. The only small gap might be Freeman there because, you know, he's got to beat out Devontae Booker. Got you. And then I would yeah. imagine a gap down to, say, Nick Chubb, right? Uh, yeah, significant back, like another six or so. Okay. Uh, so an actual the, gap there down to, down Nick, to Chubb. Nick Chubb. But yeah. you got like the Jones, you got Ronald Jones, Penny, Geis, Freeman, uh, like in a similar, or maybe in the same yeah, it's, tier. It's like last year, and Jake talked about, you know, there are a lot right. of rookie running backs that could really make an mm-hmm. impact this year. And I think. I think Ronald Jones, you know, they're going to have to give him a lot of work, too, because, yep. you know, the quarterback situation is shaky. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. We got a lot of people engaging with us on social media. We're asking you about LaShawn McCoy. Will you be avoiding drafting any of the Bills? We got a poll question up. Our guy Niner Gnome out there says he thought about keeping McCoy, but is now keeping Michael Thomas in that spot for sure. I completely understand. Remember, it's about this risk. Another person out there, big shout out to R underscore love 317 saying it probably depends on what the police do. You got to see, right? Some people are waiting and seeing 60% of you right now on our poll say you are avoiding the Bills. A lot of people are avoiding the Bills regardless. Jay Nordic as well says he'll check him out on the waiver wire, if anything. We are off and running here. Roto experts in the morning. When we come back, we dive more into fantasy football, this McCoy situation. And Scotty spent a couple of minutes with Mets outfielder Brandon Nemo. Come on right back. Let's see what they talked about running on the other side of the break. Roto experts in the morning. Are you new to Daily Fantasy? Are you a veteran? Either way, you can better your chances of winning money, and lots of it, by going to DailyRoto.com. Multiple people have become millionaires thanks to the guys at Daily Roto. Why not take advice from the experts? You can become a millionaire, too. Just go to DailyRoto.com to rock Daily Fantasy Sports. back yeah and another one and another one another rb1 
Another RB1 bites the dust. There you go. It's back on Roto Experts in the morning. The King oh, Scott no. Angle, the spitting statistician, Dane Martinez. We put the fun in functional sports radio here as we help you win your leagues and win that cash. We spent the first segment, the majority of it, discussing the LaShawn McCoy situation. Keep it locked to the Fantasy Sports Network all day long. I'm sure we'll be breaking this down into a fine powder. I just want to also let you know, listen, get your season ticket to Fantasy Glory now with the 2018 Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. It is not just a draft kit. It is a full season package that takes you from draft day to the picture with you holding your championship trophy, okay? It features in-depth analysis from some of your favorite FNTSY sports radio experts, my man, Hall of Famer, Scott Angle. The literally, like, the accuracy ranking champion. There is nobody whose rankings were more accurate than our guy, the all-in kid, Jake Seeley, high stakes stuff from uh, Matty Modica, Wall Street. You can even get a defensive article out there from your boy Speed, the spitting statistician. Go to rotoexperts.com, use the promo code THEKING at checkout to get a bonus. I don't know how many times I got to tell you guys about that. And then here on Roto Experts in the Morning, we bring the package to life by telling you what you need. Hey, Scotty, we do, however, um, still talk a little bit about fantasy baseball. We want to let people know that are still contending as we head to the all-star break. Some bumps and bruises. If you have guys on your team, who you need to watch out for, who is on the return. And Scotty, listen, as you know, my Bronx Bombers, I think they got a little bit healthier yesterday. My guy, my number two starter, Masahiro Tanaka, activated from the DL. Yeah, Tanaka came back from the DL and uh, allowed it allowed uh, four in three runs in four and a third innings. Chris Bryant's expected to come back today for the Cubs. Noah Syndergaard will return for the Mets on Friday against the Nationals. Uh, check out the closer report on RotoExperts.com as uh, Sean Doolittle hit the DL with a toe injury. Kelvin Herrera was going to start to fill in a closer and. Uh, uh, George has an interesting take on the situation. Avasail Garcia on the 10-day DL with his, with his hamstring again. Felix Hernandez on the DL retroactive to July 7th with a back injury. Garrett Richards just came back. And then uh, more right forearm imitation could, irritation could be going back on the DL. Is Drupal Cabrera aggravating an elbow injury, but... Mickey Calloway says he'll be okay. He's day-to-day. He could play today. Ian Kennedy just came back from the the DL and made an early exit against Minnesota as he had more left oblique tightness, and he could be headed back to the DL. Interesting. You mentioned as Drupal Cabrera. I think it's important for him to be on the field because I think he's being showcased for potential trades. I saw a report earlier this week that the Dodgers may be moving on from their pursuit of Manny Machado, thinking instead about guys like Scooter Jeanette, Brian Dozier, and even as Drupal Cabrera to fill a need in the middle infield. You mentioned, you know, Cabrera. You mentioned Noah Syndergaard as a Met as well. You had a couple of minutes to speak to another Met, an outfielder that has come on and really performed well, was one of the only guys hitting for a stretch for the Metropolitans earlier in the season, outfielder Brandon Nimmo. And uh, what did you talk to him about? Did you put him on the clock, Scotty? Uh, no, he's not. he hasn't played fantasy football in a uh. few years, but it's – very interesting to hear his take uh, on fantasy sports and also the fact that uh, he never hit 11 more than 11 home runs in a minor league season until now, but now he's already bested that. What, what was the difference in him turning it around as a power hitter? 
That's very interesting because, you know, my guy Glaber Torres was also accused of some things all of a sudden because he had more home runs in the bigs than he ever had in the minor leagues. So I'm going to be very interesting to hear what Brandon Nimmo has to say. Cue the Mr. Ed, Scotty. Let's hear it straight from the horse's <laughs> mouth. This is the king with Mets outfielder Brandon Nimmo here on Roto Experts in the morning. Scott Engel here with Brandon Nemo of the Mets. Brandon, were you growing up, you had, a, you had no high school ball. You yes. had American Legion ball. How was that unique, and do you think it gave you an advantage at all? Um, you know, it was, it was unique. Um, do I think it gave me an advantage? Uh, the only advantage I think it, it gave me um, was realizing that I had to work, uh, work, had to work harder if I wanted to get to this position um, th- than other guys who might have had, uh, you know, baseball year-round or better weather. Um, but it also uh, gave me an advantage of working with um, the coach who happened to, who happened to be there, um, who was very instrumental in me getting to this point. Um, and so his name was Tag Lane, um, and he kind of gave me the opportunity to go to uh, this tournament called the Tournament of Stars. And after that is when really the professional scouts um, started to come and, and really notice uh, notice me. So really, he gave me that opportunity and uh, was able to take advantage of it. So yeah, it's definitely it definitely helped out, but. Um, um, it also gave me appreciation for other sports. Um, I, enjoy, I enjoyed playing all kinds of other sports because we didn't have high school baseball. Um, and so that, that helped me to use things that I learned from, from those sports to use in baseball. So it seems like you're hitting for more powers in the majors than you did in the minors. You mm-hmm. know, and some guys blossom power-wise yeah. at the major league level. seems like you're one of those. Yeah. Is that also due to some adjustments that you made during the offseason? Yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, I think it's been it's been kind of like a process for two years now um ever since k-long got here in six um they they saw some potential in my swing that uh wasn't being tapped into and so it's been it's been a process to try and to try and tap into that um it's taken a couple of years but but to be able to um kind of see the fruits of the labor a little bit so to speak um it has, has been great and then also um like you said, um, power is, is something that kind of um, blossomed for me. Um, you know, it's something that had to be learned a little bit and honed a little bit. Um, I hit the ball hard consistently, but um, maybe just not with the um, – not with the right, as, as people would say, now launch angle and, yeah. and, and all that other, yeah, all that yeah. other stuff. So um, so I had to learn that stuff a little bit and, and, and make adjustments. Um, and it's turned into, yeah, a little bit more driving the ball a little bit better um, now here at the major league level. You always seem to be smiling, and Met fans like that about you. Personally, you know, knowing the Mets for a long time as I do, yeah. it kind of it kind of remind me of Gary Carter okay. a little bit. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's you know, Gary Gary was like a legend, obviously, to the Mets. Yeah. You know, uh, even when things aren't going your way, how do you how do you always keep a smile on your face? Yeah, first of all, that's an honor, and I really appreciate that. And second of all, um, yeah, I think I think it's a perspective. Um, I think I try to. Um, look at each day, and I have to remind myself of it, but I try to look each day as trying to enjoy it um, rather rather than just try and get to the end of the day, trying to just get through it. Um, it's the little things in life. Um, it's the journey uh, to, to get to the, where you're going. Um, those things make make life enjoyable, and, and that really stems from, from my faith and, um, and my perspective on, on where I am. Um, I'm very, very blessed to be a Major League Baseball player and, and to be playing at the highest level and to be healthy. And um, all these things I, I am so blessed to to be able to partake in and, and have. Um, so I try to keep that perspective um, moving forward and, and try to remind myself of that every day, um, even when things might, be not, might, might not be going the best way. 
think sometimes when times are tough, you know, the way you are, you know, the happy guy that you are, do you think it sends a message to the fans too? Like, you know, keep a smile on your face even when times are yeah. tough. You know, I, I hope so. Uh, you know, because because it is tough. It is tough to do. Um, it's even tough for me sometimes. You know, in, in some of the um, circumstances that we get into, to stay optimistic and upbeat about it. But um, it's one thing. You know, we have a choice in life, and and we can either you know we can either go about things in, in a sultry mood, or um, or we can try and, and enjoy what what we have and, and make the best of a situation. So, um, hopefully, what I'm portraying is is trying to. Um, make that choice of, of trying to make the best of, of whatever, whatever situation you're in and, um, and and enjoy again enjoy the little things enjoy the process and, and realize um, where you are blessed and and so um, I, you know I, I would hope that it, that it reminds uh, fans of that but uh, it, it's good enough just for myself for right now to try and keep keep myself positive and, and upbeat um, and in and enjoying the things uh, that life has, has, has blessed me with. Last one for you. Now, obviously, I'm with the Fantasy Sports Network. i got to ask you a fantasy question. You played football in the past. Not that you know how baseball works, yeah. but you became a hot waiver wire pickup <laughs> like a month ago. Okay. When people say, hey, Brandon, I picked you up for my fantasy baseball team and you're doing good for me, how do you react? Uh, I'm like, that's great. That's awesome. I, I, you know, I'm glad, glad that I have their support. Um, you know, yeah, I did. I played played fantasy football a couple of years ago, uh, and uh, so I know I know how uh, the basis of how it works. Um, but uh, you know, first and foremost, trying to t- help out my team, and uh, if that helps out their fantasy team in in, in the works, then that's great. Uh, I, I I love that. So uh, it's a new thing for me, but but I'm enjoying it. Brandon, thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So there you have it, the King Scott Angle with Brandon Nimmo, Mets outfielder. Scotty, you're right. You were talking, like, it's interesting. You, you mentioned that he's, like, uh, kind of the most happy-go-lucky Met you've seen since Gary Carter. That's got to be a, a good force in the clubhouse. And you could hear it in the interview, Scott, literally. Like, when you mentioned the Gary Carter comparison, right, He, you can hear him laughing when you're asking questions. Mm-hmm. You can hear him kind of bubbly, even when you're talking about, like, hey, people are picking you up on the waiver wire. He's like, oh, that's so awesome. Like, he seems like a, just a positive, humble kind of kid. And I, I really liked that interview with you and Brandon Nimmo. Yeah, and it was very, you know, everybody who's around the team says, you know, this is real. This is who he is. And he's got I'm reminded a smile of Nick Swisher face. as a Yankee fan. Nick Swisher was yeah, kind of oh, like Nick, Nick Swisher was great. Yeah, he was great. Always enjoyed talking fantasy football with him. But, you know, he's smiling even though some people consider him an all-star snub. He, you know, he's uh, he's got 12 home runs, 46 RBIs, but he's hitting 255. So he's cooled off a little bit. That may not work in his favor. He's cooled off recently as uh, as as opposing pitchers are tr- starting to hit the outside corner with him mm-hmm. more and make him make chase a little bit more. But you know, he's he's kept his head up. You know, as as you hear about it, it it's not just. It's not just lip service we're giving to it. This is actually the guy's attitude, and this is why fans of the team and baseball fans have you know, started to take to Brandon Nimmo. And the interesting part of his story is he grew up in Wyoming where they have no high school baseball, and he had mm. to play American Legion ball. That is pretty interesting. Um, I'm remembering – because, listen, Scott, I mean, I don't know if you know, but I, I did play – I did play baseball all the way to and through college, right? And so I remember when I was like, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old, I was playing on my high school team. Then I was playing on my AAU team. I was playing like four games a weekend, traveling around to tournaments and stuff like that. But it's interesting that there is no, there's just no high school baseball in Wyoming. Are there any other nope. states like that? Can, that's weird to me. I never knew something like that. Why, why do you me think neither. that is? 
You know, I that's don't weird. have an answer for that. No, no I hear you. Yeah. You know, one thing I always, I always wonder about, Scotty, when I go on like a road trip or something like that and I'm driving kind of in a less populated place than uh, New York City, I always wonder about that. Like when you see like kind of houses all spread out, I'm like, I wonder how long it takes for that kid to get to school. You know what I mean? And then I'm like, and then I wonder how long it takes for that school's like baseball team to travel on a road game to like the furthest school in its conference. It's got to be hours. And, you know, it's just a different perspective from me playing high school baseball here in New York City. I literally hopped on the six train and went up to 128th Street to like play Manhattan Center. You know what I mean? It's just got to be a different experience. So that was interesting to me. The other thing you mentioned with Brandon Nimmo here on Roto Experts in the Morning on the award winning fantasy sports radio network is that. You know, he talked, it was interesting. He was like, yeah, launch angle and all that other stuff. You know, it's kind of, he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, you know, and he credits Kevin Long with that. My question for you is this idea of launch angle and the swing that people are doing now, whether it's Yonder Alonso or Josh Donaldson, uh, Daniel Murphy, you know, to try and get that uppercut swing and that launch angle. Is that something that's only taught at the, and coached at the major league level? Like, is that not taught at the minors? Uh, they will they will work with Nimmo and other things on the minor league level. You know, it's it's organizational. There's no way it right. can just be at you know at the major league level and that's it. You know, guys, you know, that's why you have the minor leagues so you can experiment yeah. with stuff like that. And some guys like Ryan Zimmerman was the one who like you know talked to Daniel Murphy about it, and you know, Zimmerman believes in it. Then I got a, then I I get other players who just say, Nah, I don't I don't pay attention to that stuff. Okay, interesting. You know, I just thought it was interesting how he was like, because, you know, he was answering the question about why he has more power now in the majors. And it sounds like through his work with Kevin Long, he was like kind of taught the idea of the new swing to influence that launch angle. And I thought it was funny. He was like, yeah, you know, launch angle, all that stuff. To more to pull the ball, et cetera. Uh, You know, changes approach. During especially, uh, you know, during this past off. the, the, not this off season of previous off season, it's worked out for him. No, absolutely. He has he has been one of the few bright spots for the New York Mets this year. Brandon Nimmo, you know, listen, these they do have some young talent there in New York. If they could ever get it going together, I mean, when you think about guys like Rosario, like Nimmo, like of course Conforto there, and you know they have young arms as well. The question is, can they all stay healthy together? for a stretch in a season. So we'll see what happens, but great to have a couple of minutes on Roto Experts in the morning with Mets outfielder Brandon Nimmo. As we turn back to fantasy football, Scott, and I'm looking at your running back ranks, and I want to ask you a question. Uh, Generally, before we zoom into the player that I think it impacts this year, my question for you is this, Scott. Do you believe that, like, it takes time when you go to a new team? When you go to a new team, do you believe it kind of takes time to, you know, you know all those kind of age, all that is to like learn the scheme, to get your foot, you know, your footing underneath you, that sort of thing. Do you think it takes like a full year or like how long does it take, in your opinion, for like a, uh, a new player to really acclimate to the offense? Like should you expect them to be better in year two, that sort of thing? Do you believe in that? Uh, I don't think there's one sweeping answer for that. I think okay. every, 
every player is different, every situation is different, you know, and that's why I talk about having caution on the 49ers because, right. uh, you know, this will be the first time that Jimmy Garoppolo starting as a quarterback is the guy from the beginning of the season. And plus, you know, he's got to work with Pierre Garçon, who he's never mm-hmm. really worked with before. Jarek McKinnon is new. So you mm-hmm. have a few pieces there that have to take time, time to gel. And I think that takes longer. When you talk about maybe one player like a Kirk Cousins, uh, if there's a few bumps, like maybe the first two, three games, uh, you know, that could happen. But you, know, you could also walk in there and just be really good that first game. So okay. uh, I think when it comes to the individual player, it depends on the player itself, and it's very hard to predict because it depends on the player's mentality, you know, their uh, mental toughness, right. their ability to adjust and pick up schemes and, and yeah. things like that, and it's different for everybody. So it's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to predict, okay. especially when you come from college to the right. pros too, but when you've got a few guys – you know, playing in a new offense together, and everything looks like you put it th- together everything wonderfully on paper. Like this team has went out and made all these acquisitions, and now they look mm-hmm. like this. Well, you know, they got to play together first in the regular season. Absolutely, and you know, you mentioned the San Francisco 49ers. You mentioned Jarek McKinnon, and I think that's an interesting case, right? A lot of people. I mean, you have him as in your PPR ranks as number thirteen. I've seen him in that area with a lot of people's ranks. I consider him one of the top end. Notice I moved Christian McCaffrey up, by the way. Oh, you did. How about that? After yesterday, look at that. Talking with the spitting statistician, moving the needle a little bit. I like that. But here's the guy I was actually. You know, you mentioned McKinnon, and I agree with you, Scott. Like I'm on this pump the brakes with the 49ers as well you know he went five and oh when you know in kind of low stakes games shall we say he's got to build chemistry with garcon who was out he's got a, he's got a new running back in mckinnon so I, I i i'm with you on that when when i was asking you this the player i was thinking of though scott is jay ajayi okay i'm thinking about jay ajayi who was traded mid-season last year okay with the philadelphia eagles and the thing is i i bring this up because i think i'm a little bit higher on Jay Ajayi than most. And so we talked about uh, Christian McCaffrey yesterday. And so let me see if I can compel you around Jay Ajayi. Listen, he, I, I think that he's being evaluated off of what he did in like the six or seven games with the Eagles last year, right? But that was in a time where he was still learning the scheme. I think Peterson even tried to say he was only going to get like 10 carries at first, you know, that sort of thing. He did well with some of that. But now, and it was a crowded backfield, and so there was a full-on committee. You know, they had everything from Smallwood to Clement and others there. But this year, now with the full off season, right, and all that stuff to get his, you know, maybe roles are more clearly defined in Philadelphia. You know, we talk about Clement maybe as that kind of backup. Darren Sproles maybe coming back as a PPR and stuff. But... I think there's a world where Jay Ajayi takes a much bigger share of this offense for a productive offense. You talk about opportunity for Zay Jones and garbage time for Buffalo. The reverse is also true. If you believe the Philadelphia Eagles are going to be good, that means Jay Ajayi may have a big-time role grinding out the clock in the fourth quarter. I actually believe Jay Ajayi could be bumped up a little bit because he's now had that time, his second season in Philly, and uh, he's going to get more than like the eight carries that Peterson promised him in the first few games after the midseason trade. What do you think about Jay Ajayi and his process of being acclimated to the Philadelphia offense and maybe being more of a workhorse this year for the Eagles? 
I think that's the assumption. Okay. And when I watch Ajayi run, you know, especially during his Miami days, I admire his physicality. Right, like and, that ivory kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, but the problem with Jay Ajayi is you can't overwork him. The guy's mm. playing on arthritic knees. He came right. into the league All the way with knee State. on knee. He yep. came to the league with knee on knee. So you can't overwork him. So I, I don't know that there's going to be a significant increase in his carries. I think there will be an increase, but I don't think we can forget about Corey Clement. I don't know if I could still depend on Jay Ajayi to get a consistent 16 carries per game. And, you know, they're, you know, you talk about a coach who likes to use a committee, too. Even mm. if Darren Sproles is not uh, – proves to be old, they work into Nell Pumphrey. I'm right. worried that the, this could still be a committee in Philadelphia, even though they lost LeGarrette Blount. Right. Okay. And then here's the other reason I was going to mention that I like LeJay and you just touched on it. They've lost LeGarrette Blunt, right? And so in my opinion, Scott, and we're going to get, I, I want to touch on this tomorrow as we continue to move a little bit lower down in your running back rankings. But when there are committees, like we're talking about, and because of, as we've said, this kind of evolution into such a passing league, when I have a committee, I think the safest bet is the guy who's going to be the goal line back. Scotty, because touchdowns are, you know, six points, and some of these, you know, these other uh, categories like yards and stuff like that are, are less dependable in committees, but I'd, la- I'd rather have the guy who I know is going to be the one in that green zone that you talk about, and I think especially after losing LeGarrette Blunt, especially because of the violent physical style that we just talked about, that's a Ajayi for Philadelphia. So, like, I, I'm kind of, I think I'm a little higher on Ajayi than you. Do you think this idea that he's also the goal line, probably, the guy in this committee, does that help him carry more value? That that could, you know, but you could be looking at some games where it's 40 yards and a touchdown. Mm. Okay, fair enough. And here's the last thing I want to ask you about this. And now, Scotty, I'm not necessarily talking about Jay Ajayi specifically, but conceptually, I'm zooming out a little bit. Remember how we did talk about a guy like Zay Jones, let's say, and we mentioned garbage time. You know, I remember also there was a couple of seasons back there where Blake Bortles, you know, Bortles service was actually a decent quarterback for fantasy because of all the garbage time production he would be able, you could almost depend on, on a week to week basis. My question for you, Scotty, is this, generally speaking, and I know you hate to like paint everything with a broad brush and I respect that, but generally speaking, do you put stock into that, that idea of like expected game flow, let's say, do you think a lot about saying, these running backs on teams that you expect to be good that will be more likely be grinding out the clock in the second half and also consider wide receivers and quarterbacks that may have soft coverage, prevent defense, and a lot of uh, garbage time opportunity. How much does the idea of game flow and if you project the team to like win that game or be down late in the second half, do you, how much does that factor into your kind of projections or your DFS plays, generally speaking? I think scheme and matchup uh, will definitely play into it, but I don't think we can assume that the physical running back is always going to grind out the clock hmm. because you also have to look at the style of the coach. You know, you look at the Patriots, for et cetera, they're going to keep the gas on the pedal in the blowout, you know, and some other teams might do that it, it, until they get up to like 44 to 10, and, you know, then it's not a, a case of grinding out the clock. It's the case of, say, you know, if you're looking at the Eagles, well, they're going to pull out Jay Ajayi and, you know, maybe just let uh, Corey Clement grind out the clock. 
So I don't think I think some people make assumptions that it's going yeah. to be that way. And, you know, you you never fully predict what the game flow is going to be. But I think, you know, schemes and I think, you know, who the better teams are. Okay, got you. So, you know, you can't take it too far. So, like, for example, Scotty, last year, last year with the Minnesota Vikings, right, if I thought that they were going to wind up, like, pulling away and winning the game, I would take – I would prefer Latavius Murray over Jarek McKinnon for, like, DFS. But if I thought it was going to be a close competitive game or that Minnesota was even going to struggle, then I preferred McKinnon over Murray because I thought he would be the back on the field in the second half. Is that, like, a crazy way to look at it? Not crazy, but it didn't always work because it sometimes depended on, you know, on the team they matched up with. You know, were the linebackers more vulnerable to Mm -hmm. physical running backs or the front seven, or they're more vulnerable to pass catching backs? It's it depended on matchup as well. You know, so rather not only game flow, but also matchup. Yeah, so it's kind of hard to predict the rhyme or reason. That's why situations like that drive you crazy. All right, fair enough. No, I just I'm trying to help people remember here on Roto Expert Team yeah, Morning. We're not only giving you a fish, we are teaching you how to fish. And so the idea of it sounds like you're saying fish yeah, and horses and everything. That's right. Yo, listen, yeah, listen. Yeah, listen. I'm trying to represent the animals, including Henny, because potentially Lashawn McCoy did not. You know, so we'll see about that. But what I gotta say is, you know, we're taught we're teaching people how to fish, and like you said, Scott, you know, game flow may be a piece of it, but it's important to not only hang your hat on that. You have to look a little bit deeper and when you look sometimes a little bit deeper at those diamonds you realize that they're fugazi someone you need to forget about scotty tomorrow hey, hey, on Roto experts in the morning that's what it is you know in all hey. five boroughs hey I'm don't touch the hair don the hey. jeweler you know i what love I mean? the hey. way you dance <laughs> there you go scotty tomorrow we'll dig a little bit deeper into your running back ranks and we maybe even talk about it's some king out strategies there. It's El Rey de Fantasia. Have a great day, Scotty. I'll talk to you tomorrow. You should be dancing. There it is. I'm sure you're going to be dancing over the commercial break. Come on back. Jake Seely joins the fun. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. Welcome back to Roto Experts this morning, right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Listen, guys, I am so lucky, okay? I get to do this show first with an FSWA Hall of Famer, and then he makes the hot tag to literally the best accurate ranker in the business. I'm talking about my guy, the all-in kid, Jake Seeley, who joins me now and every morning from 8 to 9 a.m. Jakey, Jakey, how you feeling, brother man? I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Now, listen, Jake, all last month and the first week of this month, we're like, eh, we got news. But they're like, you know, it's the kind of news that happens in June and July. People in the best shape of their lives. We're trying to project a lot of stuff. Well, yesterday, Jake, there is some news that definitely moves the needle for fantasy football. Okay, I don't want to get into the... Um, you know, 
the police work, shall we say, which definitely still needs to be done because all we're hearing about this LaShawn McCoy incident is really on social media, right? We don't know how those pictures came to be. We don't know who's telling the truth. And quite frankly, I'm not a judge. I'm not a cop. I can't parse this. Similar to when we talked about Jameis Winston, similar to when we talked about um, Ezekiel Elliott, right? And I, I will say this, the NFL policy is very inconsistent. So that is another kind of factor we have to put into this. But as you know, if you haven't heard already, we've been talking about it last hour as well. LaShawn McCoy was accused via social media of a lot of things ranging from steroids and PEDs to animal abuse to child abuse and to domestic violence. Jake, I have a lot of questions for you on this. I also thought it was ironic, Jake, that literally yesterday we were talking talking about a guy like DeMarco Murray and how he was saying he needs to wait for like an injury to open up because what he's looking for is a legitimate starting opportunity. Well, opportunities can become available between injury and a number of other ways. So maybe there's one up in Buffalo. I have a lot of questions for you on this, Jake, but let's start at the beginning. How do you receive this news and what were your knee-jerk reactions to seeing the social media post and hearing the news about Shady McCoy yesterday? Uh, honestly, that, uh, I mean, I don't want to talk about it at all. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying don't ask more questions for the fantasy purposes. I just, I'm not, you know, it's nothing no, I, I want to get. I don't want to get into it because it's the, we don't know. There's just too many yeah. ifs. I, I tweeted about it once, and I said, I'll say the same thing I said when I tweeted it and basically like pretty much just leave it at that, is that if he's guilty, lock yeah. him up, not just yeah. knock him out of the NFL. Mm-hmm. If he's completely innocent, lock her up. I All mean, right. at, yeah. this, this, at this point, this, with how much this is going on, I mean, we yeah. saw the situation with Foster. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, Foster had other issues as well, but – the fact is, is you know, nowadays it's it's basically guilty until proven innocent. Right. And when something like a claim like this nowadays can ruin somebody's career. That all being said, there's been a lot of stuff that's come out since right. the accusations. Home invasion stuff, all that, yeah. Right, which tends to look more like he's he's guilty of something or at least mm-hmm. be complicit. But at the same time, you know, it's just a lot of, like until a decision is made, until yeah. the process has been done, until the law has been followed through, like that side of it, like I'm not going right. to con- condemn him yet. And I'm not sure. going to say that he's, you know, without I'm with cause. you, Jake. So, I'm with so you, Jake. That, we're not cops. We're not judges. We're not lawyers, right. all that stuff. Fantasy wise, though, you are a fantasy expert, right? And we are kind of sports experts. So I'm with you, Jake. I have follow up questions for the fantasy football side of it, okay? Now, here's my my first question for you. And I really want to get into your process, Jake, in ranks, okay? Because, yes, uh, in the first hour, I talked with Scott, and he said that he moved McCoy down to, like, RB23, okay, in his ranks. And I was confused a little bit by that because, to your point, I think this is kind of a binomial thing, Jake. I think this is, say, different than Zeke where it was, like, the potential of six games hanging over, right? I think this is either, to your point, if any of this is true, I agree with you. The man should not have only have played his last down in the NFL, but he should be in jail. I agree with you, if this is true. Right. If, if to be quite honest, if any piece of it is true. Right. But right. if it's not true, 
then he's playing 16 games. So I kind right. of went to Scott and I asked him, like, I feel kind of like you dropping him down to like 22 or 23. Like that's kind of a half measure. You know what I mean? I can't see, I can't see being there in a draft right now. If you got a draft this weekend and being faced with McCoy still on the board and someone like, oh, I don't know, Royce Freeman or Dion Lewis or whoever it is you have in that neighborhood. Like the question is to me, it's a black and white thing. Either you think he's going to play or you think he's going to never be in the NFL again. Or, like, you are either, like, comfortable. I think it comes down to how risk-averse you are. You know what I mean, Jake? As an owner, right? Do you want to take on that risk and in a purely non-compassionate way think that it could represent value if the process plays out one way? Or do you kind of, like, avoid him altogether? I don't understand just dropping him somewhat. I think you leave him where he is or you take him off your ranks altogether. Talk to me about your process. I looked at your ranks. You haven't necessarily adjusted them for this news, but can you take me into his, into your head? as the number one accuracy ranker in the business. How do you treat this news? Is it a kind of leave them or drop them altogether? Do you drop them down like Scott and what I call something of a half measure, depending on how risk averse you are? Take me into your process, Jake. Uh, there, there's no process. It's, I'm not moving them until we have official news. You won't news. do anything it's until the, the league actually declares it's, something. It's, it's the same thing as Andrew Luck. I'm not moving him huh. down from a projection of 16 games until we hear that he won't be ready for week one. Carson Wentz, same thing. I'm projecting for okay. 16 games. If he's not ready for week one and it's going to be Nick Foles for a week or two, then I'll change it. But until okay. we hear something, there's no point in my mind. I mean, you know what you're right. getting into if you draft him. I mean, that's just – but the fact is to try and guess – 12 games, not the entire season. Because like you said, is you know I'm on the stance that it should be the entire season. If they can't find anything and right. he just happens to know the person who it was with the home invasion and the NFL decides to suspend him for six games because they have no evidence, but the NFL still wants to do their thing. Uh, I mean, I, I, would that really surprise anybody? Because no. we've seen this before. Uh, Elliott, right, right. right. Right, so you know that's like I said, we have no answer right now. So you know, Ezekiel Lashawn McCoy right now is projected for playing the season. I haven't touched his you know, rankings. If they okay. signed Demarco Murray, you right. know that that would adjust. That's an indication, just, I guess. <laughs> no, well, no, that would just adjust uh, like on his touches alone and his backup being better than the fact that Chris Ivory in the next. Okay. But the fact is, is if you want to talk about for where to move him, I'm not moving him. If right. you're in the draft, obviously, if you're not comfortable taking him. As an RB2, because you're worried he might miss the entire season, then you don't take him. If right. you feel like you – I mean, this is just up to, like you said, your risk aversion, your way how you want to handle the situation. I know some people that won't draft him at all just on the fact sure. that the same thing as Jose Reyes and Aroldis right. Chapman in baseball. is like mm-hmm. you just don't want those people on your team, and that's your right as a fantasy owner. Yeah, absolutely. I hear you. So it sounds like we're, we're on the same page. And I, I, I like the way you approached it, you know, because that's what I was saying. I was a little bit uh, confused by how Scott approached it because I saw it as a half measure. You're saying I'm keeping him there until there's, you know, regardless of the kind of uh, criminal, whatever it is, and you're not playing cops, right? But you're just saying you will take your cue from the NFL. If and when the NFL suspends him, then when you have kind of like the fact that relates to fantasy football, then you will make a change. And it sounds like, Jake, you're also saying if the Bills go out and do sign, say, a guy like DeMarco Murray, who hysterically, we literally talked about him yesterday, kind of waiting for a situation, unfortunately, 
necessarily not like this, but some opportunity. And even that would only be like saying, hey, the timeshare that he's in just got better, that sort of thing. And that's the way you approach it until you actually get news from the NFL. Can I ask you two more things on this, Jake? And it will be straight football kind of aspects. We're not getting into, you know, kind of uh, the TMZ of it all, shall we say. Um, my first question is this. How do you how do you compare this to you brought it up the Ezekiel Elliott situation last year because with Zeke I was of the same kind of thing and I to be quite honest last year I was telling people erroneously I was telling people no 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 trade for Zeke because I didn't think it was going to go down until after the season I thought he was quite honestly going to miss like the first four games of this season instead of something last year and that turned out to have be wrong right there was this cloud hanging over him and it actually impacted the fantasy playoffs for Zeke owners can you compare this situation to the Zeke situation last year, how you would approach it, because maybe it was like this moving target. You got to figure that if this comes down, it would come down before Labor Day and you would know going into the season. Can you compare this to what owners had to deal with for Zeke Elliott last year, or do you see it as a completely different case in terms of just playing strictly for the kind of risk aversion aspect that we were talking about? (laughs) No, I can't compare it because it's the NFL. The NFL has right. oh, it's the fact the NFL doesn't have any rhyme or reason, and the NFL yeah. does. What I, it we wants were talking to about do. this. Jameis gets three. Josh Brown gets one. But you know, Josh Gordon gets sixteen plus. Right. Right. And the fact is, if you look at it, you know, when it comes to the NFL, they have the. What I, I said this last year, they have this almost. I'd say. I don't know. I don't know what the best word for it is. It's just like almost like a Joker card, or I don't. Yeah. That's not even the best one. It's just yeah. a Trump card. Is anything they want to do is anything. It's because they can say you violated their policy. Like they, it doesn't have to be you did this right. specifically. Like it, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be like you got a DUI, you smoked weed, right. uh, you had There's a domestic no violence situation, <laughs> right. right? And it's not like you get this amount of games, this amount of games, this amount of games, this amount of games. It's not. And like with Tom Brady, it was like four games for deflating footballs. Like he's just, yep. there's nothing out there that's like, you know, it's, as you said, no if it's A, reason. it's B. Like there's just like, you know, so they can do whatever they want and they have proven that they will do whatever they want. If you <laughs> violated their policy, they're going to just say, you know what, well, this time we think you deserve this. So, like I said, you know, the only – I'm with you as what I said at the beginning, as you reiterated what I said. I think it's kind of a black or white rare situation where it's either you're done in football or everything's fine. Mm-hmm. That all being said, I think there's like a 10% chance that they don't find anything, but because this happened, the NFL – still pulls got a PR. Their, yeah, yeah, we're going to – we're going to still do something. And if it was six games, wouldn't surprise me. If it was two, wouldn't surprise me. If it was, you know, six or eight and Michelle McCoy pulls the Ezekiel Elliott and then right. tries to, you know, play and uh, fight it and then ends up getting suspended in the middle of the season. Like that wouldn't surprise me either. So uh, unfortunately we don't have an answer because the NFL is part of the reason we don't have an answer. Yeah, I I hear you on that, Jake. You know what I also did as soon as I heard this news, Jake? I went on over to mybookie.ag. I went on over to mybookie.ag, Jake, and and I looked at the season win total for the Buffalo Bills. Now, a couple of weeks ago when I knew we were going to start doing these team-by-team previews and the AFC East is still a division we have yet to cover, right? So I was getting ahead of it, and I was looking, hmm, what's the win total for the Bills? And when I checked two weeks ago, Jake, the season win total for the Bills was six and a half. When I woke up this morning, I was like, huh. And when I heard the news yesterday, I was like, huh. 
because I was also in the fantasy pit of misery with our guy, Mike Florio, who is a Bills fan. And I was talking to him about it, you know, and he was a little demoralized, as you can imagine. I went over to mybookie.ag and Jake... A, the line is still up. You can go right now and still bet on the Bills season win total. And uh, it is largely unchanged. It went from six and a half to six, Jake. Are you with me and maybe thinking about running on over to mybookie.ag and dropping a little bit of shekels on the under now? No, because I still don't know what's going to happen. Still don't and the know. fact is, yeah, and I would, but the fact is I was betting the under anyway. Right. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like now it could maybe just represent a little bit of value. The last question on Jake, before we move on to our team by team previews, we'll be talking San Francisco 49ers today. What is what do you think there's an impact on other bills? Um, so, for example, I'm thinking about like a Kelvin Benjamin. I'm thinking about a Zay Jones. I'm thinking about a Charles Clay. I, like you said, you were down on the Bills anyway. You were going to bet the under anyway. I was thinking my fantasy outlook on the Bills was, listen, if I'm a defense playing against the Bills, I'm putting 8, 9, 11, all 53 men in the box to try to stop the running game and Shady McCoy. And I'm saying, go ahead, A.J. McCarron, beat me. Go ahead, Josh Allen, beat me, Right. Now, though, and for this, it does take an assumption that if LaShawn McCoy is not on the field, Jake, and I acknowledge that that's an assumption at this point, does that hurt a guy like Kelvin Benjamin? Because they now, instead of bringing that safety in the box, they're rolling coverage over to Kelvin Benjamin or something like that. Is there impact on the pass catchers of Buffalo if Shady is off the field? Well, anytime you take a talent away from any position in the NFL, if you take a top wide, look at the Giants on the reverse last year, is the right. fact that if you take away an elite wide receiver like Odo Beckham, it hurts the rest of the t- offense because you don't have to fear him. So if you take one of the best running backs in the game away from a team, it's going to hurt the offense. There's no question there. So absolutely, you have to be concerned about the passing game. But the fact was you were already concerned about the passing game anyway because those quarterbacks are abysmal. Yeah, absolutely. This is not an offense that moves the needle for me. I was going to be avoiding that because, Jake, as you know, as we talk about a lot, the first thing that I kind of look at is how big is the pie in the first place? And we look at all these pies across the NFL. The Buffalo Bills is one of the smallest pies in the NFL, in my opinion. But if you want to take the under on the Bills, whether it's at six or six and a half, go on over to mybookie.ag and enter the promo code FNTSY. You'll get a 50% deposit bonus with your initial deposit. Check it out. Tell me your boy Speeds, the spitting statistician, and the all-in kid sent you. All right, Jake, let's move on. Let's move on a little bit because, as you know, we're not going to know the details of this. This is going to be an ongoing story. And as we have more – ooh, we got a little Doris. We got a little Doris Burke action. I love Doris. I know Drake loves Doris. We all love Doris Burke. But um, as we'll keep our eyes locked to the LaShawn McCoy situation, as more actual facts or details and how the NFL wants to treat it becomes a little bit more clear. Jake, as we move on, let's talk San Francisco 49ers. A lot of people are on the 49ers, Jake. A lot of people love Jimmy Garoppolo, Jake. I'm telling you, our guy Chris Ventra, the analyst, uh, I was listening to a commercial. He wants to play like the Italian national anthem before every fan, uh, uh, before every, 
you know, San Francisco 49er game. Everyone loves Jimmy Garoppolo. I'll just say I'm, I'm pumping the brakes on Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit, Jake. I mean, I, I think he could be good. I think he could throw for 42, 4,300 yards. But just because he goes 5-0 and in low-stakes games at the end of the season when most people were worried about their golf vacations than about actually defending the 49ers, that doesn't move the needle with me. He still needs to build chemistry with Pierre Garçon. They have a new running back. I'm not so sure about all the love here on the San Francisco 49ers. I believe Jimmy Garoppolo is one of those what I'm calling the Baskin-Robbins tier, 31 flavors, depending on what you like. I'm fine getting Jimmy G if you wait on him like Rivers and Stafford and the other names that we have mentioned, but I'm seeing Jimmy Garoppolo go as high as like QB7, you know, one of those guys that you're going to have to actually invest something in. I'm not doing that, Jake, are you? Not at that price, and honestly, not even as a QB1. He's actually in the teens for me because the fact is, in those starts, he also threw seven touchdowns and five interceptions. That's Mm. not a lot there. And even if you want to knock it down to the four complete games, all right, so it's six and five. Six touchdowns and four starts is not a very good rate for an entire season. And I know you're going to get the kind of argument by people out there. And Jimmy has actually been quoted as saying this, so that's where it comes from, is that, he wasn't necessarily allowed the entire playbook. Right, well, learning the system still. I could understand that to a degree, but at some point you did have four starts. You're telling me that at the end you didn't have, like, more? Like, it didn't right. grow at least over your couple Another starts? Another couple pages you got access to? Right. The, the good, the good. So on the good side is he had the yards. The yards were definitely there. So you have Pierre Garcon coming back this year, who he didn't have last year. You have Trey Burton, who he didn't have last year. You have Jared McKinnon, who he didn't. But the fact is, is Jarek McKinnon, although everybody's super excited for him as well, is Jimmy Garoppolo didn't pass to the running back very much. Is actually that was the downside to Carlos Hyde, where everybody was getting excited about Hyde and his use last year, and Garoppolo comes in at quarterback and stops throwing to him and. It wasn't just the fact that he stopped throwing him. He actually threw to Matt Breida some too, but not to the level of the the quarterback system before that. And that's the concern is this is a Shanahan offense. And, yes, you bring in McKinnon, but where is Jimmy Garoppolo going to be throwing the ball? Uh, it's a lot of projection. It's a lot of conjecture. It's a yeah. lot of hope by people. It's just there's a lot of risk, and that's the end of it. And that's the simplest part is there's a lot of risk, and to take him as a QB1 is a mistake. I agree with you, Jake. Listen, if again, if I am faced with the choice in the ninth round and Jimmy Garoppolo is there, but our boy Philip Rivers is also there, I'm taking Philip Rivers every single time and twice on Sunday because I've seen him do it for 10 years in a row. You know, like you said, Jake, every year he gets drafted outside and every year give me the guy with the track record instead of the guy who just switched teams, who has to break in a new number one wide receiver, who has a new running back. I don't understand. Understand. I think the hype train has gone a little bit too far. Give me Stafford. Give me – I'll even take Mahomes over him, to be quite honest. I'll take a chance on Luck over him. And, of course, you know my boys, Stafford and Rivers. I'm definitely taking those two guys over a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo because I, wanna, I want a longer track record than what I have seen. Jake, you mentioned, like, kind of we don't know where he's going to go. Is he going to target the running back? You know, what's he going to do? Is Pierre Garçon – you know, does he love Goodwin down the field? We'll see. One of those narratives, one of those angles, and quite frankly, one that I'd love to subscribe to because I have him in the 17th round in a keeper dynasty, is the idea that, listen, 
He came from San Francisco. I mean, he came from New England. In New England, they were taught to love the tight end, you know, and the tight end is always the security blanket for a new quarterback in a new scheme. Talk to me about George Kittle. Jake, talk to me about George Kittle. I think this is a guy who flashed at times. The San Francisco 49ers, I believe, love his size, speed, kind of matchup potential. I think they love that so much that he is the reason at this time last year they traded Vance McDonald to the Steelers, who we both think have some potential, thus clearing the way for a guy like Kittle. Are you going to have shares of Kittle on your rosters this year, Jake? Mm, not too many because of where he's gone. So, yeah. It's... Okay. It's it's too early in the morning. You didn't you correct me when I said Trey Burton. I did. I when you said Burton, I was like you, Trey you, Burton, but you just kept yeah, on going. That, that's yeah. You yeah, <laughs> you just said Trey Burton. You just right. reiterated the word. I, I said, oh, it, a, it was my Ron Burgundy with the question mark at the end. I, I didn't think you got my upscale at the end. It was like Trey Burton. You know, it was no. like, that's okay. No, because it was in the middle of the roll. This is what happens in, in, gotcha. early in the morning. So in it's all case, good. George yeah, Kittle. So, let me know. Kittle yeah. to bits. Yeah. Well, see, the fact is, is all to, both of them together, and this is fine, is the reason probably is in my head and also is because I took him in the Scott Fishbowl last night. That gotcha. being Burton, not Kittle. <laughs> uh, right before bed, actually. So the Burton fact on is, the brain. Is, yeah, both of them, though. Both of them are, and this is, I think, only my second share of Burton, and I'm in already, like, 12 leagues already. Uh, the fact God, is, Jake. Oh, yeah. And I, it's not even, it's not I got to ask you about that later yet. on. Go ahead. Go ahead. Talk to me about Kittle. Not Burton. Both, Kittle. No, no. I've got to talk about both of them because the fact Fine. that they're both in the same boat is they're both yeah. being overdrafted for me. And I've, I've gotten in on Burton uh, because I like his opportunity better. And we can talk about him for another day as in like tight sure. ends and all that. Sure. But the problem with Kittle is not because of his abilities. The thing with Burton is I don't think he has competition for his touches at tight end as much as Kittle does because – I don't like Selleck. Selleck's not as athletic as Kittle. It's not even close. But the fact is, what I keep looking at is the snap count. And so something I'm going to compare is to a conversation we had about McKinnon when mm-hmm. he was with the Vikings. And the yep. fact is, McKinnon goes balls out against, a, you know, it was a week's six or seven, I forget. And what did the Vikings do? The very next week, they give him the same amount of touches. And he balls out again. And they give him the same amount of touches, and then he doesn't do very well, and then he doesn't do very well, doesn't do very well, and he balls out again, and they you give him the same amount of touches. Slow, though, Jake? No, like when they because, were down, no. uh, when they were up in games, no. they go to Lat Murray when they were down and needing the passing no. back in the second. It was no. it has has nothing to do with it because if okay. you looked at the games, it was just the fact that this team saw how good he was and did not give him more touches. That's but it's not game flow because he never even topped those touches. He never even got okay. 20 carries. It's the fact that this team said, you know what, we see how great you are out there. You don't deserve more touches because the fact is about Jarek McKinnon is Jarek McKinnon needs to stay in the 15 to 18 range. He's, right. We've already talked about we that. we talked about this. Like the Thompson, comparison like and the, the point I'm making with that is I'm not saying George Kittle can't be a breakout. I'm not saying his athleticism isn't off the charts because it was up there with Evan Ingram at the you know right. combine and all that type of stuff. And I'm not saying he's not the definitive best tight end on this team. But to look at week 16 and 17, 50% of the snaps at tight end. Week 17, all granted, and people are going to be like, well, George Kittle wasn't 100%. Well, guess what? Garrett Selleck came off an injury, missing a game, 
in week 17 and got the same snap percentage as, as George Kittle did. That's my concern. I'm not saying it can't change, but that has to be a concern. You can't ignore that. You can't look at that and say this team decided to use Garrett Selleck just as much as they used George Kittle in week 17 coming off an injury and not say, yeah, yeah, it'll be fine. He's going to get 60 70% of the snaps. So that's my only concern. And my problem with it is George Kittle, a great tight end two to draft your team, could break into tight end one tier. Absolutely. I 100% can see it happening. But people taking him as a top 10 tight end, that's where the mistake is being made. You can't draft him as that. Okay. I hear you, and relatively speaking, right, there's a price for everybody, and everybody has a price, a la the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. I do want to ask you a little follow-up on one of the things you said there, Jay, because, you know, we're keeping this Kittle-Burton comparison going, right? And you said that one of the things here with Kittle is the presence of Garrett Selleck. Now, I, I think I remember a couple of times when I've said that I was high on Trey Burton, one of your responses right away was, don't forget about Adam Shaheen, right? So, like... What, what does that mean? You know, do you think Shaheen is going to have any kind of uh, eating into Burton? Or you think that's less than what Selleck does to Kittle? Because like, isn't Shaheen going to be on the field a little bit as well? It's quite possible. Yeah, that's what my point was, too, is with the fact that Shaheen is like, twice the tight end that Selleck is. That's really mm. what it comes down to. It's, it's the fact that if you look at it, that's somebody who has passing game chops. That is somebody who can make, excuse me, make a noise in the passing game. Not as good as Trey Burton, not as good as George Kittle, but he's definitively better than Garrett Selleck. The difference is, and what I said at the top of this too, is why, so it, it's, it, you have to take it scenario by scenario. Trey Burton, my concern is he's being drafted as a top five, six tight end. And I was like, well, don't forget, Shaheen could take away some snaps where he's not an every down tight end. That's different than saying, I'm taking uh, George Kittle as a top 10 tight end when we have a snap count issue. So it's, it's similar, but you have to take it a little, if you understand, you have to take it a little bit differently. No, I hear you. I hear you. And listen, I'm very interested to hear your take on Trey Burton and George Kittle because I think I've shared with you in my biggest home dynasty league, I am dealing from a position of strength in tight end. Zach Ertz in the seventh round, Trey Burton in the twelfth round, and George Kittle in the seventeenth round. I'm trying to flip well, I one of those. I would keep all of them. I know it depends, but hey, maybe we. And then I wait for an injury, a la Demarco Murray, right now. So I'm interested in all of those guys, and I see how you think that. Listen, they're overdrafted, but they both belong maybe in that what I call the Baskin-Robbins tier of tight end after you get past the top three, after you even get past the Rudolphs and Delaney's and Olsons and Grams of the world. It's kind of whatever flavor you like. Burton could be one of those. Kittle could be one of those. We've talked about guys like Ricky Seals-Jones as well. Jake, there's more about the San Francisco 49ers that I want to talk about, but we're going to have to push that to another time because when we come Back here on Roto Experts in the morning. It is a hump day. It is a Wednesday. So we got to get people ready to win cash in all sorts of sports, okay? It's almost like we're Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders, or Brian Jordan. But the sport, no, is not baseball. When we come back, we have our guy Colin Drew. And we're going to talk about how to win a little bit of cash on the PGA Tour this week. The guys are, uh, you know, the guys are at the John Deere Classic. We'll chat it up with Colin Drew of DailyRoto.com when we come back. Jake Seeley and Dane Martinez, Roto Experts in the morning. 
We got ODB bringing us back to Roto Experts in the morning. Jake Seeley and I agree. ODB is a member of the Wu-Tang Clan, one of the top three hip-hop groups of all time. Jake may even have him in a tier unto himself. You got to listen to Jake, okay, because he is the number one accuracy ranker in all of fantasy football. So if you want to win your leagues and win that cash, listen to my man, the all-in kid, Jake Seeley. Even though I like to press him a little bit, the guy knows what he's talking about. You should go all-in with his ranks, and you can find them in the Roto Experts exclusive edge package go on right now and enter the promo code all in kid for your special discount but i say check it out if you win money on fantasy football if you win money on dfs wnba if you win money on the world cup like your boy speeds the spitting statistician or if you win money playing dfs golf you can trade them all in for goods and services in this country and that is why we bring in our guy colin drew today and most wednesdays to talk a little bit about the pga tour Hey, Colin, how you doing this fine Wednesday? Hey, doing good. Just happy to be on here with the most accurate man in fantasy football. I'm saying, right? The, the, the honor is all ours, and you will get to answer a question from him in just a second. But first, I got to ask you, Colin, remember when we were uh, – it was like – the last major, the Masters, or the U.S. Open, whatever it was, we we were talking about how this might be an opportunity to really, because there's more people playing in the majors, right? There's more fish out there to take advantage of. I even wanted to play that week and listen to what you said because I thought there was opportunity, right? I wonder if this week is the exact opposite, Colin. You know, so many people are getting ready for fantasy football. So many people are, uh, you know, this is not a major. We're talking about the John Deere Classic. We got the Open next week. My question for you, Colin, is, is this week pretty much like a tough week to play because there's not your, your big-time players? And the people that are playing DFS are probably more sharp, No. Yeah, the people playing are a little bit more hardcore, I guess. But t- to me, you know, they're they're all kind of good weeks to play. Uh, some of my best weeks have been weeks I didn't expect them to be good, like random European tour events, swing season events, things like that. You never really know when you're going to put together the perfect lineup. And so, my my theory is you should be playing every week, and you know, you'll be you'll be there when when the good run hits. And so, I think it's a good week. It, I mean, especially if you're willing to put in the extra time and the extra research. Uh, the field at the top has some pretty big names, but the middle of the field and the bottom of the field, it gets a little bit dicey down there. So if you're willing to put in the time, then I think there is a, a good bit of edge to be had. Uh, next week should be fun, though, too, for the Open Championship. Well, well Colin, uh, so that's what I'm doing. I'm looking right now over the Daily Roto site, and I always love to check it out, especially for the values and stuff. But I'm looking at some of these names, and I'm like, Colin, are you just, like, making names up? Like, Joaquin <laughs> Neiman? Like, I'll look at this. Like, I ha- like I follow golf, and, like, Bronson Burgoon? Like, I, like where are these people coming from? <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> the depth of the field the past couple weeks has been um, a little bit weak. Some of the best or better players on the PGA Tour are actually playing in the Scottish Open this week. Uh, just to get tuned up for the Open Championship and get used to, you know, the the Lynx golf and the wind and all of that kind of stuff. And so that's why you have, you know, really only, I think it's around 15 guys that are in this field that are also playing next week. Some good names at the top, um, but then with the value plays, like you said, Bronson Burgoon, you got like C.T. Pan, and then the guys that you do recognize, like a Bill Haas or something like that, haven't been playing good recently. So it seems like it's a week when we're thinking about just macro roster construction where it might be, you know, some weeks I play more in the three max and single entry. But this one, there's not a lot that separates some of the value picks. And so it seems like a week where I'm going to be looking more at playing in some of the 
the 20 entry or even putting 50 or 100 lineups into some contest. So I can kind of get the guys I want up at the top and then spread my risk a little bit with some of the names that, you know, maybe maybe they can finish inside the top 20, but they're just as likely to miss the cut. Interesting, Colin. So you're saying you're going to have your kind of keystones of your lineup and then maybe spread the wealth in different lineups on some of those value guys at the $7,500 level or the 8000 level, let's say, in order to kind of uh, cover all bases. Colin, talk to me a little bit about this course. You know, I, you know, there's the golfers there, but the other thing that we always got to consider is the course. You know, some are more tailor-made for the bangers. Some are more tailor-made for the guys with the good short irons, that sort of thing. Talk to me about Deer Run as a course up there in Illinois. I see it's a par 71, right? So talk to me, what does this course lend itself to, generally speaking? What archetype of golfer? Yeah, like some weeks we talk about that and we say there's not really one. This week there definitely is. It takes the driver basically out of play. Off the tee play matters less this week than it will almost any week on tour. And it's really all about strokes gained approach and then putting. Like every week you're going to have to be a strong putter to finish out the top of the leaderboard. But that's even more true this week because of the volume of birdies that are going to be had at this course. It typically plays as one of the 15 easiest courses on tour every year. And we can kind of just peg the course right off just by talking about Zach Johnson and his course history here. So Zach Johnson's finished in the top five, six of his last seven years. He's got a win here, two second place finishes, a third place finish, has only missed one cut in 10 plus trips here. And so that tells you a bit just about the profile of golfer that you're looking for is a guy like Zach Johnson, a guy that, you know, he keeps the ball in play off the tee, but he's not exceptionally long. He's really accurate, particularly with his wedges and short irons. And then when he's playing well, he can get hot with the putter. And so I think that's the type of golfer you're looking for. Obviously, you got to pay a pretty penny on DraftKings for Zach Johnson, a little bit more affordable on FanDuel. But when you're looking for some of the value plays, you're kind of looking for guys that might fit the profile of a young Zach Johnson. Well, you know, speaking of that kind of, we thought it before. We thought about the course history and that it doesn't carry a lot of weight in the projection model on the site. But if you're part of the membership, in which you should be for everybody that's out there, because you can dig into it and you can customize it. So that's what I'm going to ask you: is the customizing part? If you are going to believe in the course history, or you also have something else on the site, which is the expected scoring to average for par. So you can adjust if you think that it's going to be a very favorable week or very, you know, all those type of things. What's the range where you would stop? Like, so your default when I pull it up for the course history is 0.4. Like, if you were somebody who did believe in it, like, where is, like, all right, that's too much. Like, don't go past three. If you say expected scoring to par default is minus 1.4, you know, don't move it more than three decimal places. Like, just so people have an idea when they're playing with it that they don't go too out of control. Yeah, definitely. And that's one of my favorite things about the fantasy projections is that they are customizable. So you can really make them your own any given week. If you think that course history is a stronger indicator at this course than it is other courses, you can toggle that. Um, the way I like to to do it is instead of thinking about the pure points, there is to kind of think about it as on a percentage basis. I think we have it set as a default around 5%. Uh, I think that maybe if you really believed in course history this week, you could dial it up to like 15% or something like that. Um, but I, I probably wouldn't go much higher than we have it right now. I think it's even a little bit higher than, you know, some of us like to use on a given week. Zach Johnson's going to pop even if you remove the course history in general just because of how weak this field typically is. The other thing I like to do with the customizer is, um, especially for some of the younger guys on tour, sometimes the data model takes a little bit longer to build up to them because they don't have, you know, 18 months of a track record or they were young when they first got on tour. And so you talked about Joaquin Neiman. 
He's a guy that if you adjust the recent form up a little bit, you're going to see him slide up the projections. And same thing with Bryson DeChambeau, who won this event last year and has been playing really well and consistently over the past few months. And so he's another guy that if you toggle up the recent form, you're going to see him slide towards the top of the leaderboard. We're talking with Colin Drew here over at DailyRoto.com. Colin, you're also my kind of uh, golf mentor. You know what I mean? You've been teaching me so much over the last couple of months. The last time we talked, you taught, you taught me about, like, I think it was, like, the hazard zone and how, and how golfers have to avoid the hazard zone. The native area. Teach, oh, the native area. That's right. That's even, that's even funnier if you want to know the truth. Um, I'm looking at this article on Daily Roto, right? And I'm looking at Joel Dahman, who's a – you know, someone that Matt Rumack recommends at 7,600. But then it says that Dominic has popped up because he accused Sung Kang of cheating a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yeah, I want that... the doink-doink sound effect. What happened there? Let's play some Law & Order. What happened? A lot of cheating drama on the tour recently. You had that Phil Mickelson incident at the U.S. Open, and then Dominic was playing with Sung Kang, and he took, like, a bad drop. And Basically, if, if you hit a ball and it crosses the hazard, you're supposed to drop it at the point where it crossed the hazard or further back. And instead, I, what he accused Sun Kang on was instead of doing that, Sun Kang took a nice drop right up by the green, chipped it up next to the hole and, you know, saved his par or tapped in for his bogey instead of kind of playing it maybe 100 yards further back in the rough where it would have been a tougher shot. So that was kind of the drama, I guess. Hey, I was, was all interested to hear about the drama too. I was all interested yeah. to hear about the drama. I was, I'm always interested to avoid the native area, Jake. Um, so I think that is interesting, but, uh, thanks for the insight. We did get, um, Colin Drew's real thoughts. I was just wondering about the law and order case at the end, Jake. So we'll move on, uh, but always thanks to, to Colin f- Drew. Find out and fill us in tomorrow now. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely want to find out about the drama. Maybe we could get, uh, oh man, I was going to say McCoy, but I meant like McCoy as in the, uh, the DA in Law and Order instead of the McCoy we've been talking about for most of the day today. But going over, hey, Colin is back. We were moving on. I didn't, we didn't get to hear your, uh, the drama, Colin. Are you there with us? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. I, I don't know if I cut off for a little bit where I dropped, but yeah, yeah basically what Damon had accused Sun Kang on was taking a bad drop. So Kang right. hit the ball into a hazard. He was supposed to drop it kind of 100, 150 yards further back in the rough, and he dropped it right up next to the green and, huh. and chipped it right up next to the hole. Kind of took an easy route to the bogey that he was going to make, and Damon was not happy. He argued about it on the course with the rules official for like 20 or 30 minutes. They had to let other groups play through him. It's kind of this wow. big ordeal, um, but eventually, I guess, Kane got his way, and, and he went on. All right. Just, you know, I just wanted to know the case. You are my source of all things golf, and uh, we could add this to the things that you have taught me. Do me a favor, Colin. Avoid the native area until next week. All right, man? Hey, we'll see you for the Open Championship. That sounds good. We'll definitely have you back next week to talk about one of the majors, the Open, which will be going on up there in Scotland next week. As we keep it moving, though, here with Jake Seeley, the number one accuracy ranker in in the business here on Roto Experts in the Morning. Jake, we only got a couple of minutes. I do want to ask you about something baseball because I know, you know, we've waned off a little bit of the Roto Clio. Our guy J-Rod hit me up yesterday. was a little bit upset, but he understands we got to get away for J-Rod to maybe still compete and get a free Roto Expert exclusive edge. 
Edge Fantasy Football Draft Package. But I do want to talk one thing about baseball, Jake. We are coming up on the trade deadline. We're inside of three weeks from the uh, non-waiver trade deadline, and I want to make that distinction clear. You know, a lot of buzz around Manny Machado, Jake. You know, we're hearing the Yankees may be more interested in a package of him and Zach Britton, potentially. Trade talks, you know, with the Los Angeles Dodgers, Arizona Diamondbacks seem to be in the market for him as well. I saw a piece of news that the Dodgers may be moving on from Machado, targeting guys like Scooter Jeanette, Brian Dozier, maybe potentially as Jubal Cabrera from the New York Metropolitans. I got two questions for you, Jake. One, do you think Machado will be moved and where he winds up? But also, if you are a Machado owner in fantasy baseball right now, and I'm talking about, say, in AL-only leagues. I asked you similar things when the news around DeGrom happened in NL-only leagues. Jake, would you try to get ahead of it and maybe move Machado, even if it's for, like, 80 cents on the dollar, 85 cents on the dollar, because he could vanish from the player universe if he does get traded to the Diamondbacks or the Dodgers or any other team in the NL? How do you think this is going to shake out, Jake? No, I think that well, first of all, he is going to be traded. It, it doesn't okay. whatever it is. He's 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 going to be moved because the Orioles have to get something for him. The problem is right. is they're going to have to bite the bullet and understand that MLB team starting with two well, starting with 2 years ago and somewhat last year even more so is teams aren't giving up what they used to give up for rentals. And that's the problem is right now they're expecting a Machado-type return, but a Machado-type return if you were getting more than a half a season. And teams just stopped doing that, and wisely so. But the fact is is they're right now asking for way too much. So the fact is that's going to happen, and he's going to get moved. They're going to see the breaking point. Uh, but when it comes down to that, if you're AL, well, that's first one of the reasons I don't. I don't play onlys. I don't play onlys mm-hmm. for this reason. Uh, uh, the fact is if the Orioles were in contention, which would have surprised everybody, but all that being said, might not be traded. You know, you look at other right. options like, well, let's talk about the Mets. If the Mets actually followed through and moved like DeGrom or Syndergaard, nobody was drafting them with the expectancy that the Mets were going to be as terrible as they are and consider moving one of their two star pitchers, which are top ten pitchers in the league. Like the, the, This is why I hate only, because there's no concession you can be made. You can't make up for the fact of the person who lost them. So it really comes down to if you're going to trade that person, if you are ale only and you do have Machado, it comes down to you have to decide where your team is. If your team is fourth or fifth and you really haven't been able to crack through and, and whatever, you might just keep Machado because you hope he stays in the American League and somebody like Machado can go on a streak for a month and carry your team. If you're battling for first, second place, maybe even third, you can't afford a hit like that because of how thin your roster will get then you might have to take the 80 cents on the dollar just to make sure that you don't fall out of contention by losing them altogether. Yeah, so you got to be real with yourself and look at yourself in the mirror. This has already happened. I know owners who had, say, Kelvin Herrera, you know, lost him out of their player universe. There's a lot of people who are potentially on the move that this could be an issue for. Do you think this is more of an issue with relievers? You know, Machado is that that prize position player right now. But do you think that it's even, would you treat it differently, Jake, for the relievers that are out there? The Iglesias's, the Brad Hands of the world, uh, the Zach Britton's of the world, maybe even a Yuri's Familia, because, like, they're going to move. Like, they're going to move even more. You don't think so? No, because what if they get moved within their division, within, within, that conf- within the, the, league. the league? So, the, yeah. you know, if Familia goes to a National League team, like, but the fact is, even if he doesn't, it's easier to find saves than it is. You're not replacing Machado. I and guess you can replace a, the- you can replace Familia. I mean, look at the fact that the Nationals just lost their closer. Right. I guess the point I'm making is not only you know with Machado, the issue is he 
gets removed from the player universe because he goes to a team in the other league. With relievers, though, it, he, he, they can still lose their value because they could get cl- traded to a team within the same league, but now all of a sudden they're the eighth inning guy instead of the closer. You know what I mean? So it's not only them being in the player and universe. And so they just provide some the role. They just provide some decent ratios then. Again, it's, like, it's not even close to losing Machado. Yeah, not I even hear in the you. same I- realm. I'm just saying, listen, if you're a team that needs to compete for saves and stuff, you, you know, like all of a sudden, like Jesus Colome, let's say, you know, gets traded, but ain't getting your saves anymore. You know what I'm saying? And like Britain, who's on the trading block, I don't think people are looking at him as a closer for a new team, but just maybe as bullpen depth. So, you know, there are other ways you can lose some of the production you're getting for some of the players you had in the first half of the season. We'll keep it there, Jake. I'll talk to you a little bit more tomorrow. We'll see if we get any more clarification on this McCoy story. We have to finish our conversation on the San Francisco 49ers, and we'll keep you abreast of all the news and notes so you can win your leagues and win that cash with the spitting statistician and the number one ranker in all of fantasy football. It's my man, Jake Seeley. Have a great day, Jake. That means huge savings for you. Get pre-finished hardwood and bamboo up to 36% off, including new styles like Mediterranean maple and bestsellers like silver stone bamboo. Take 25% off all dream home laminate and 10 to 15% off our best waterproof floors. More from just 49 cents plus special financing and professional installation. Hurry, get to your local lumber liquidators today.